Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up A Well-Read Life. Written in seven parts, The Snow Queen is a strange and beautiful fairy tale. It follows the story of two children, Kay and Gerda, childhood playmates and dear friends. After two slivers from an imp's looking glass pierce Kay's eyes and heart, he becomes a changed boy, shunning his childhood friend, consumed with perfection. When Kay is lured away by the sinister Snow Queen to her icy palace in the north, Gerda sets out to save her lost friend. Her journey is full of sacrifice and hardship, but her love of Kay fuels her quest. Along the way, she meets with friend and foe and encounters a hard and dangerous world. Although a fairy tale for children, the Snow Queen is a small masterpiece on the profound nature of love and sacrifice. It is roughly the size of my hand, the copy of fairy tales I brought from Switzerland nearly 20 years ago. The cover, blue, with a white embossed illustration on the front. At first glance, the illustration is of a flower, but on closer inspection, I see that a small fairy child hides among the petals. Thumbelina, of course. The dust jacket has a portrait of the author, an unremarkable profile of a man who wrote extraordinary tales. As far as I can decipher, this particular edition was published in the 1950s. I'm not sure what caught my eye about this particular copy, Perhaps its diminutive size or its price, but it was one of a handful of books that I bought at the Anglican expat church's basement book sale in Bern. It is, most likely, a very ordinary edition without much more monetary value than the two or so odd francs I paid for it, but to me this copy is priceless. It is a souvenir, a commemoration of sorts, of a very influential season in my life. I own a few other collections of Han Christian Andersen's fairy tales, one edition with bright, colorful illustrations from the 1940s, Inherited Upon Marriage, another with illustrations by Arthur Rackham, one of my all-time favorite illustrators, a third gifted to my daughter by a very dear friend, and finally the copy I picked up in Switzerland. I am an accidental collector of them. I'm not sure how I acquired the habit of collecting his stories, but with each rare season of book purging in the house, I am reluctant to let a copy go, and so they stay, lovingly distributed throughout the house. As for the stories themselves, you think someone with a propensity for collecting them would have read and reread them countless times, but I have only read a handful. More often than not, I find myself returning to the same ones, their familiarity a welcome comfort. The Little Mermaid, The Emperor's New Clothes, The Nightingale, The Red Shoes, Thumbelina, and my favorite, The Snow Queen. A fairy tale which has held me under its spell from the moment I first read the description of the lovely but menacing Snow Queen. With each reading, I come to love this story more. Even with the odd bits of magical old women and frightening robber bands, its execution is nearly flawless. It carries a depth and thoughtfulness that make up the best stories. One reading is never enough. The Snow Queen should be read repeatedly. Because with each reading, it reveals more of its hidden wonder. And now, here's more about the story. In my episode on the awakening of Miss Prim, I shared how fairy tales, as some of our first introduction to stories, infuse our childhood with wonder and enchantment, carrying with them a kernel of truth, a desire for virtue, and a longing for beauty. 
In childhood, they give us the beautiful hope of a happy ending, a hope we carry throughout those golden years. But when confronted with the world's evil and cruelty and our own brokenness, if one is not careful, a self-protective layer of cynicism forms. And along with it, a suspicion of that early hope. Or there's the predilection to go too far and paint life's story as only a happy ending without honestly sharing the pain that preceded it. I will give credit to those who become cynical. They do not hide the truth of life's brokenness. But sadly, in their honesty, they forget to hope. Hope not as wishful thinking, but as a brave stand, looking squarely at the brokenness of the world and knowing that it is not how it was meant to be, and that someday, that great someday, all will truly be made right, and everything that was broken will be healed and made whole. The Snow Queen is one of the fairy tales that stirs this hope in me. Sweet little Gerda's selfless love and determination and bravery give me courage, even as an adult, to face the cruelty of this hard world. And there is cruelty and brokenness aplenty in this story. To begin with, there are the two villains, the Snow Queen and a mirror. The story opens with the creation of a horrible looking glass by a wicked imp. The looking glass mocks all goodness and truth and magnifies everything that is ugly. If you listened to the last episode when I read a portion of the story, you are familiar with this part. As is often the case in reality, evil delights in a perversion of goodness. In an ultimate act of defiance, the imps carry the looking glass to heaven in an attempt to mock the goodness of God. The mirror becomes so overburdened with a distorted view of God's beauty and truth that it falls to earth and shatters. It is here that the mirror does its most wicked work. Tiny slivers of the glass float about in the atmosphere, waiting to pierce the hearts and eyes of unsuspecting people. And as if the imp's mirror wasn't enough of a threat in the story, the Snow Queen inhabits this world too. Less sinister on first appearance than the mirror, the Snow Queen is as corrupting as the looking glass. Listen again to this description of her. She was pretty and distinguished looking, but a figure of ice, glaring, glittering ice. Yet she was alive. Her eyes stared like two bright stars, but there was no peace or quiet in them. One is alone if they fall under her spell, cut off from loved ones and friends. She is described as perfect in appearance, but not in character. There is no warmth or kindness in her, and certainly no capacity to love. The Snow Queen's seductive perfection leads to a cold and sad death. Kay is the victim of both the imp's looking glass and the Snow Queen. Like one who takes a bite from the apple in the Garden of Eden, Kay is corrupted by the mirror. He is changed once he is pierced by the slivers of glass. After, Kay sees only the imperfection in the world around him, and his heart is cold to those who love him. Always in search of the perfect, he devotes himself to mathematics and areas of reason. He disdains the beauty of the garden he shares with Gerda because a rose has a worm, but praises a snowflake because it is flawless. Shortly after he's corrupted by the imp glass, Kay starts to prefer reason and intellect over love. Anderson is very careful not to denigrate either in this part, although it might appear that he does. Instead, he reminds us that all of the reason and intellect in the world is nothing without love. Kay's corruption by the looking glass makes it possible for the Snow Queen to seduce him away to her icy palace. Kay is a willing victim, making only a feeble attempt to escape by trying to recite the Lord's Prayer, but he cannot because he has forgotten it. And here we come to another moment of sheer brilliance in the story, Kay's need for salvation. He is lost and dying, and he is completely incapable of saving himself. His pursuit of perfection is doomed to failure. The only person who can save him is Gerda, whom he has forgotten. Further, Kay cannot see his need. 
He is completely unaware that he is slowly freezing to death and that the Snow Queen is incapable of loving him. Kay is in grave danger of being lost forever. His dire predicament is explained by an old Finnish woman near the end of the story. She says, Yes, it's quite true. Little Kay is with the Snow Queen and finds everything to his liking and thinks it's the nicest place in the world, but that's only because he's got a glass splinter in his heart and a tiny fragment in his eye. These must come out first, or else he'll never be human again, and the Snow Queen will keep her power over him. But Gerda has not forgotten her friend. She loves him deeply and purely, in spite of his betrayal of her. Like a lovely example of a Christ character, Gerda's love for Kay is selfless. Her sacrifices are many and come at great cost. She gives up her most prized possession, her beautiful red slippers, to find where Kay has gone. And after losing her boots in a robbery, she travels barefoot through the bitter cold to find her lost playmate. In spite of all the trials that come her way and every obstacle along her journey, Gerda is not stopped. It is her love that is Kay's salvation. Near the end of the story, the Finnish woman, one of the helpers that Gerda finds along her way, tells a reindeer this about Gerda. I can't give her greater power than she has already. Don't you see how great that is? Don't you see how man and beast feel obliged to serve her and how far she has come in the world in her two bare feet? She mustn't learn of her power from us. It lies in her heart in her being a dear, innocent child. Gerda's love is the only thing that can save Kay. But as is often the case with evil, it does not give up its conquest easily. The Snow Queen's palace is heavily guarded by an army of snowflakes. Icy hedgehogs and snakes and bears. This is a fantastically imaginative scene, where even icy hedgehogs are menacing creatures. But Gerda's army is greater. Shining armored angels with spears and shields created from her breath as she recites the Lord's Prayer. In this, she is more successful in defeating evil than Kay. Inside the Snow Queen's palace, she is at last reunited with her dear friend, and her tears restore him to his former self. It is a satisfyingly happy ending. A love story, surprisingly, which isn't romantic. My daughter is too young to sit through a reading of the Snow Queen now, but one day I will read it to her. I will read it to her as often as she will let me, and many other fairy tales besides, the strange and the beautiful. And I will pray as we read the story of Gerda's selfless and pure love that the beauty and truth of it will sink deep into her heart. Because fairy tales, with all their evil stepmothers, sinister snow queens, and beastly princes, remind us of the reality of a broken world. They cause us to pause and contemplate this, but they do not leave us in despair. They remind us that redemption is coming. It has always been part of God's plan. Read this story for the strange little world that Anderson created. Read it for its charm and for its beauty. Read it for its fantastical elements, talking crows, magical gardens, and fierce little robber girls. Read it for the strange and frightful, mirrors that corrupt, and fearful snow queens. Read it for its promise of redemption, that the broken can be made whole again. Read it for its brave and undaunted heroine, and the sweet story of a friend's love. Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. If you'd like to connect in the meantime, I'm on Instagram at wellreadbeth. Until next time.